Good. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm uh, delighted to introduce Amar Das, um, our speaker for today. Uh, Dr. Das does not have any financial interests. Um, he does not intend to discuss off-label or investigational use of a product or device, and he's not receiving direct payments from commercial entities uh, with respect to this activity. Uh, if you need CME credit, please use the activity code at the end of the presentation, and the code will also be displayed outside the room after the presentation. Uh, Dr. Das is a, um, a wonderful uh, member of our faculty. Uh, uh, by training, he uh, received an MD and a PhD from um, uh, Stanford, um, having gone to Northwestern uh, for his undergraduate, um, and then he had postdoctoral training in Columbia. Um, he's uh, sir, uh, originally trained in psychiatry, but also in medical informatics, and uh, he has uh, very important roles in the institution. Um, the one um, that I value uh, very highly is he's uh, the um, leader of the bio medical bioinformatics division in the Department of Biomedical uh, Data Science, but he's also the, the director of the Synergy Biomedical Informatics Corps, um, head of the Informatics Collaboratory for Design Development and Dissemination, and associate director for molecular epidemiology. So um, he only sleeps about three hours a day with all those <laughs> roles, and he's very active and. Um, a, a great collaborator. Also, I should mention that I, I counted, um, but I started losing track. Um, he's had an amazing number of mentees, uh, about 21 at, um, graduate and um, MD students, but also uh, many undergraduates as well. So we're very honored to have Lamar uh, talk to us today. Thank you. Okay. Um, can everyone hear me? Yeah, thanks. Let me turn this one off here. Okay, well, uh, I'm very impressed by the turnout. I wanted to say uh, that I was asked to give a talk, actually, uh, to, to talk about some new software that we've uh, implemented and deployed into. This was really an opportunity to, to talk to the folks in the Cancer Center and, and other individuals at, at Dartmouth and Dartmouth-Hitchcock to talk about the tools and get them to use. So there's going to be, uh, there's going to be some science and, and some informatics research but primarily uh, promotion of, of some of these activities. So I, please please bear with me if we, uh, if we get into some things that may seem a little more uh, mundane, but uh, very important to everything I hope that we're trying to accomplish here. This is what uh, Chris mentioned, uh, no conflict, so I just want to clarify that. Somehow my slide is slightly off here. Um, someone can, uh, can just check to see how that would, uh, the monitor and the slides would, would work. Um, so, uh, and these were the objectives that I basically uh, I had uh, listed for the CME credit. But uh, just the gist of what I'm trying to do here is really uh, talk about the digital infrastructure that we've, uh, that we've built here over the last few years and talk about how we can get people to start using that to help accomplish some of the overall goals that we have in terms of our research and data. So why do I need to promote this? Well, you know, I think that uh, as often happens, there's a lot of IT gets built and people don't end up using it, so it's the old problem of build it and they will come. Um, but as we know, and every, everyone's got this probably has a small computer in their pocket that would have taken up this entire room about 30 years ago, uh, computing and informatics has fundamentally changed how we approach research, and we really need to think about these tools in that context 
just as a point of clarity, some of you are uh, old enough, of course, to know what this is, to know that when you did research in the, in the old days, you actually had to go to library and uh, pull out this drawer and look through and see if you could find the journal or the book that you're looking for and then take that book to a copying machine, hopefully that was there at that time, and copy the article you wanted, right? And then you, you spend a couple of days in the library doing your literature search. So now we do that within a matter of seconds, right? We go into Google or whatever our favorite search engine is and we just put in the article or some bits of words about the article and up pops the article and we just click on it and we download the PDF put it on our iPads, go to the gym, and read our article, right? So we're all now much more productive thanks to technology. And, of course, the Smithsonian had already written an article about this last year. The card catalog is officially dead. Okay. So there, there are many things that we do within the research enterprise here where informatics computing can quickly advance some of those activities and bring us to a whole new level of how we're approaching this. And that's the gist of what I want to, talk, to tell you today. This is not something that we can sort of evaluate scientifically. This is a cultural change that's occurring in our midst and that we sort of need to embrace and figure out how to use these tools and to help have you help me as a developer of these tools to really help them work for you in terms of the work you're doing. So here's a list of the things that I'm quite impressed we've, we've put together or implementing now. So we have this, uh, through the support of Synergy, Dharma Synergy, we have a service tracking mechanism, which I'll talk a little bit about that will help researchers uh, make requests to cores. Uh, as many of you know, the cores that Synergy supports are, are at the same individual as the cores that the Cancer Center supports. So we're using the same tool in both realms. We have now a Vivo researcher profile uh, system that I'll talk about. This is actually the main thing I want to promote is the use of this system for, for promoting what we do here at, at Dartmouth and Dartmouth-Hitchcock. We've had a long-standing Eagle Eye resource discovery tool that helps people find resources for their research. We have implemented, as, as well as at the hospital, REDCap, which is a, a widely used secure environment for uh, managing uh, research data. We also have just implemented successfully within the last week a biosample management tool uh, for people who are doing research. We also have one that's also in the clinical environment. Uh, we've also successfully implemented also in the, just the last few weeks an I2B2 instance that is uh, there to support the registered shared resource. And we're working on something that's very exciting, which I'll talk about at the end, which is trying to find out ways that we can make our data more secure. So if you look, about, if you look at these things, what are, the, what are the main things that we're trying to encourage them? Sorry, the slide's so off, but I, you don't need the bottom of the slide. Um, we, we need research in this environment is highly collaborative. It's team science. We need people to start working together to sort of do these activities. So it's very important when we think about the software that we think about all the different people who are touching upon the software. And we want to make sure that it does, it enables the collaboration and doesn't get in the way of how people work together. So we also need to have the system be fairly intelligent in terms of some of the ways it's working with information. So that includes sometimes uh, using rules to have the system uh, support workflows. Sometimes it means in, uh, developing machine learning methods that help us understand how to use the data better. Um, clearly, uh, these things have to be available to the web because that's the first two kind of uh, um, argue for making this everything that we're doing web accessible. So this has been a fundamental change, um, as you know, because we've often thought about having things on our desktop, but many of us start using Google Docs and other things, and these, these automatically help us share the document and make it available for everyone. 
And finally, you know, in this day and age, now that everything is on the web, we need system security. Uh, there's so much hacking that's going on that we have to ensure that everything we're putting out there is at a standard that's protecting patient information, protecting the research IP, and protecting our systems from all these attacks. So th these things are all go hand in hand with each other. Now, the, I have a wonderful team, uh, some of whose members are here. Its team has grown from, uh, when I arrived, from two initial individuals to about 15 people who are on my team. We, we are part of an effort uh, that's called the Informatics Collaboratory for Design, Development, Dissemination. We're just over in the new building over here, uh, the Williamson Building on the ground floor. Uh, we have a number of projects that we're working on, some I'll talk to with you today. Some are some national projects that we have ongoing, and we are open to research collaborations. We're doing a lot of work right now with faculty and TDI and other groups to develop uh, websites, develop software systems. So this is, if you're interested in the Cancer Center uh, in terms of your activities, please come and talk to us and we will help uh, develop a project with you and, and give you a time frame and budget that hopefully will match your needs. So this is our group that has been working on this. And uh, we couldn't have done it, of course, with there's many other groups that support us. There's the Dartmouth Synergy Institute, which is a, a large, uh, which really through the grant mechanism, through this, the Clinical Translational Science Award, has put in the foundation for, for uh, research infrastructure that hasn't been here before. So just to be clear, there isn't a lot of research IT around. People previously were doing rolling out their own systems that caused the problems in terms of the this maintaining those systems in terms of the, the personnel, in terms of security issues. By centralizing this through Synergy, we've been able to hopefully raise the, the, the boats for everyone, so to speak. The, the Cancer Center has given us resources for the last uh, two years, and hopefully will continue giving us resources Mark, to develop this registry shared resource, which is uh, built up I2B2, which I'll talk a little bit about. Uh, Margaret Karagas of Cobri uh, Grant Center for Medical Epidemiology has put an infrastructure in place for sample management and uh, uh, freezers, which we're also working with. And then both IT teams at the hospital as well as the medical school have been very supportive. We have a lot of uh, regular meetings with them to ensure that the, inf the infrastructure building integrates well with those, those IT systems that are out there. In our own work, we, do, we develop a process of, of agile development uh, where we try to meet with our stakeholders, figure out what the requirements are, Often, this is a landscape analysis, we don't need to build something, but sometimes we do need to build something. So we then look at how the uh, work is done in terms of tasks. We do a lot of work on prototyping, so we prototype paper or system software before we deploy that, and then we go back and, and evaluate that system out. So this is familiar to some of you who, are, uh, who uh, maybe know about agile development in other se um, settings. But this helps us to mitigate risks in terms of our software development. So everything we put through the cycle uh, uh, comes out, hopefully, in a, in a fashion that meets the needs of users more rapidly and more robustly than it would be in traditional software development. So we, our, our group of 15-plus uh, people, uh, plus all the students, has goes through this process of developing the software. And I, I just want to promote this is very critical, and we're one of the uh, I think few shops in informatics that actually does this, eats, eats our dog food, so to speak, in terms of what's supposed to happen. And it's, uh, it's, it's as our, some of the software engineers in my group know, it's kind of costly in terms of having to uh, follow this approach. But in the end, I think we're doing a better job if we develop. So let me talk to you about uh, now, I'm going to switch from our process and why we need this to go through some of the systems that we have. I want you to feel free to ask questions. 
we have some, since some of our user usability people and the software developers are in here, they can certainly take notes if there's comments on about the design or things that we that I'm going to present to you that you want to give us feedback on. Um, but the, the goal is to discuss each of these tools, discuss how they work together, and discuss um, hopefully how you can use them in your own work. So the first tool I'm going to talk about is Inspire. And this is a, a tool that uh, you see it's cut off in the bottom here, but it says information sharing platform for an integrated research environment. One of the things very critical informatics is having a good name that has a, a backronym to it. Uh, so this, this uh, system has been uh, deployed here at Dartmouth since uh, about 2014 and has been continuing to evolve. It's a tool that you can access through the Dartmouth Synergy website or you can go through directly. And it it's, has some lofty goals, which I think is important to talk about. One of the challenges that we have here is uh, just knowing where resources are. So the transparency, who is the person that you're supposed to contact to figure out how to get help, right? So just making that, that promotion, promotion, again, through the web is going to be critical. Connectivity, we want to be able to connect not only the investigators to the people providing services, but also connect uh, investigators to each other to help promote research. Uh, and efficiency. Some, sometimes it just takes a long time to get some of these requests uh, done. So by having the data of how long things are taking, where there are bottlenecks, and so forth, we hope to improve the system in place. So the functionality of the system is to, to track all these outcomes and to be able to allow people to work together. Let me see if I can do this here. So this here is the Inspire system. Um, it, we, we intentionally decided to make it look like an iPhone or other kind of smart device uh, for the purpose of, the, of simplifying design and access to this system. And so what you'll see, it, it's not clear on the resolution, but there's little boxes here around each of these things that says uh, what the various activities are that one can accomplish. Um, it requires me to uh, log in here. And so I'm going to go into requests. And I've already filled this out here. Hope that's information is correct, which is not. So, I have this wonderful uh, thing in the background that you can't see in the bottom of the page. If I get back to my screen here, uh, which is uh, called LastPass, which secures, it's on the top, which secures all my passwords and gives me passwords that are hard to remember how to encrypt it. So, bear with me for just a second. But I highly recommend this or some kind of security password. As you know, passwords are getting more and more complicated, you know, having to decide which letters need to be there and so forth. So, um, so this, I, what I did is I, I went to the request app. I clicked on request and it sent me to this page. I don't have any requests. I cleared out my own request, but I can make a new request. And so to do a request, I have to actually create a project. This is a little issue. Why do we have projects and requests? The projects aggregate all your requests. I basically then can put a title for the request. Someone on the team will have to delete this later for me. And uh, I can, now here's part of our social thing. I can display this project that I'm creating on a directory, which I'll show you later, so that you can, the people who are logging the system can see other people's projects. Okay, so that gives you an idea. I don't have to show the project to other people, but if I want to create that, I can do that. Uh, Tor, Tor, Tor Tosses in the room somewhere. Is Tor in the room somewhere? I saw him come in. Well, Tor and others have in the, who are developing course have said, what are the things that we want to have know about this project? So these things are actually coming from 
the core directors. Um, this, and I'll create this project here. And then now I create a project with a terrible name, and I can go through the different cores that uh, is provided here through both through combination synergy and also the cancer center and select which things I want to get support for. So some of the things that I mentioned here, REDCap and so forth, I will just make some random here. Request an ethics core, retention recruitment. These are the cores that are currently available. Um, I'm just gonna put the reasons down here. This will, all this data I'm, we are gathering here. Okay, so th there's my project that I gave a terrible name to and now I have the requests, I have the four requests that I made to the, uh, the various core directors and uh, ultimately this will allow me to manage the request. So I'm gonna go back to Inspire here and I can see that I can go to project page, that same information's there. Um, and, I, and I added this to my directory and uh, you can see there's some people already in the directory because there's, uh, I'll show you in a second, uh, where's my, my name here? Here we go. So under my name, I have this terrible project, which someone in my staff will have to go delete so we don't mess up all our data and inspire. So I just showed you how we made a request, how it became part of a project, the project I can manage, I can make more requests to. I can, uh, it's become part of my uh, directory. Um, I also, by uh, being in the system, I um, already, I already have a little profile about myself and who I am in the system. And uh, now I'm also a core director, so what you didn't see is when I first logged in, this, this app didn't show up, but it, once it knew that I was a core director, it popped up the core director app, and I have a list in the core director app of all the, of all the service requests that came to me that I have to manage from that perspective. Okay. And some of the cool things we're doing is we're doing some stuff on terms of our analytics. This is various dashboards, uh, some of them which are exposed to different people within Synergy, depending on their level, so I think that I, uh, I can do this one here. So there are already 200 plus users in Synergy, I mean, in Inspire, and they've already made 180 consultation requests, plus the one I just threw in there. So, so this is a system that's already out there being used. Um, we certainly want to encourage people to uh, make requests through here and to try to manage our requests. This is certainly helpful for the core directors in terms of the activities we're doing on that end. Are there any questions about this system, any feedback, any things that you want to is there any hope that this is replacing the CCOP system? Like, are you going to have instrument cores as well? So this, I, that's what's under, I will, I will look towards Mark and others here. The CCOP system was, uh, was developed, as some of you know, uh, previously before the Inspire system was developed. It uses a completely different backend and management system. There are some things that CCOps does that we don't do. For example, it tracks the, some of the finances so that reimbursement can be done. And those, if those requirements uh, were managed, we, would, we could talk about that, right? One of the issues we have with CCOps is maintaining the CCOps. Um, it's new core. okay, so there's a, there's a, so the Cancer Center has the specific requirements for some of its cores that it has to manage separately from these consultation <laughs> cores. I guess that's the best thing to, best way to sort of dis, dif, distinguish between the two. There's Bob. Yeah, I just think, uh, in addition to financial transactions, we have some cores in which we uh, measure uh, units of transactions. Yes, I think. Right. 
Well, I don't know if Newport is open source, but I mean... Yeah. <coughs> okay, so a lot of this could download on the Fred Newmarket. I mean, it could appear in Inspire automatically. Right. So we are, we are seeing this as an ecosystem of of data and resources. So whenever the uh, other applications are also open source or available, we would we would integrate with them and access their data and, and not have to recreate this. But there are there are distinctive reasons why there might be different pieces of software in the same space. Would that include CPHS? Some of this information has already been entered. We we are working with CPHS with the with their system that they have through uh, Rapport and others that to to try to access the data. There's some institutional issues there, but we are trying to work uh, with that information as well. So I just wanted to show that in, at the Dartmouth Synergy, one way to access the system is you can click here on the top link in, in the Dartmouth Synergy page and get to Inspire as well. Or if you go into the resources page here and you go to, say, a, a core page, you'll see a description of the core and you'll see the Inspire button as well there. So it's, we try to embed this within the various systems so that people can get access to Inspire pretty, pretty quickly. Okay, so this, this is now a system that we have in place. As you can see, it's, it's being used. It's certainly, we'd like to see the numbers increase because we know that there's, there's a huge number of activities and it's something we want people to use, uh, to use the Synergy and the uh, uh, Cancer Center cores uh, effectively in this space. Uh, can you use Inspire to create reports of the use of the cores? And that's exactly what we do. Yeah, that's... that's I want I want to show you those data uh, off well, online here, yeah. but but there are I can show you who the monthly requests and so forth and the uh, various reports that are being generated here. Okay, so it's a curious profile. So um, that's it all. So um, so the other system that we have that we're trying to work with again, you see some a little bit of overlap. We have a profile that's being developed through Inspire that talks about your research projects talks about your background as a researcher and allows you to find other researchers to, to work with. One of the things that we're working on as part of that is to allow for people to share a project, to be able to share tasks. So you have a team of people working, you might have students, postdocs, and so forth, and when you create the project, they can also do some of the tasks with you so that it's, it's more collaborative. Um, but we're working now to integrate this with our Vivo system that we just uh, have rolled out at the end of last year. Now, um, some of you may know that uh, we, have, we do have a faculty profiling system, well, one, more than one, to say. We have one for, for Geisel School of Medicine. We have one at uh, Dartmouth-Hitchcock. And for those of you who have a TDI affiliation, you also have a TDI profile. So you, you have plenty of profiles out there. What's the advantage of using something that's out there like Vivo? Well, this is uh, a system that's, uh, uh, this and other systems like this are widely used within the medical uh, research community. Uh, they allow the data that's being collected through these systems to be shared. So there's an ecosystem of data now around uh, publications, around your research profiles. So there's an opportunity to be able to connect with other researchers through the system. Now, uh, in this space, there are a couple of, if you, there's actually a whole Wikipedia page on this. There's a 23 faculty research profiling systems out there, believe it or not. Uh, there may be more or less at this point. This is the last time I checked. And some of these are open source and some of these are uh, proprietary systems. So uh, why do we choose this one to go with this? We felt that this one was had actually the most elegant design and because it was sort of uh, the data was more accessible for people to, to work with for, for other purposes, this became um, the system of choice for us. So this, uh, the dean's office, 
uh, as well as Synergy, uh, chose the system about a year and a half ago, and we worked all last year to try to put the system together. And part of this, again, is encouragement for you to go in and use the system. So um, switch back here to the PowerPoint slide. If I can navigate that here. Vivo.dartmouth.edu. Yeah, almost every system I'm going to show you today, just take the name, add dartmouth.edu to it, and you will get to the system. Vivo is not integrated to Inspires, but not Vivo yet. So, I'm sorry, I lost my cursor here. Is it my laptop? Should I, should I take that? I'm going, to, I'm going to try this. It's always the, you know, this is what we do in Informatics. We reboot the system. We don't try to resolve anything. So bear with me. How many, how many people have been in another institution where they've used the factory profiling system? Anyone in this room? MD Anderson at, at, at Harvard, there was Harvard Profile. I don't know what MD Anderson used. Okay. So let me, let me talk a little bit about uh, the Vivo profile system. So we chose this one. We used one at Stanford, which was incredibly remarkable in terms of its, it's, it's a proprietary system that Stanford developed, although they're trying to get other people to use it. It, um, it did a number of things. It helped to network people together. It helped to promote you as a researcher. Um, it allowed for people to uh, uh, look through the institution, determine where research activities were occurring. So it was a very powerful system that the, the medical school was using for, for all multiple purposes. Again, we, we, used, we launched, uh, officially launched Vivo last year. Uh, we, here's what we did so that you're aware of what you're going to get when you come to the system. We took the HR data and affiliations that, are, that, that the um, Geisel School of Medicine IT department has already put together in terms of your, your Dartmouth uh, profile. So we have all imported that. So those are things you can't change your appointment in the system, um, but the other things you can, there are other things you can do with, with that database. We then uh, uh, imported your publications in, uh, using uh, the actual Harvard profile system uh, named disambiguation. Now, the, Alan Green is a classic example of someone who, there's probably multiple Alan Greens, probably multiple Alan Greens in psychiatry. So if we were to go and find articles by Alan Green, and then also Alan Green has changed institutions to make life complicated for us. So he's gone from Harvard to Dartmouth. So if he wants to see all his publications he's ever done in, in terms of his portfolio, in terms of his profile, there's a lot of things that have to go on, right? We have to resolve who this Alan Green is, where Alan Green was in terms of institutions, and to make sure those. So there's a lot of work that goes in informatics of just taking care of identifying that person and pulling their publications out, okay? It's not perfect. That's the first important thing. And you do have to fine tune the system. So when you go and look at your profile, you'll be fine tuning your profile to put in uh, uh, maiden names, put in uh, your um, uh, previous institutions and so forth. Some of that we'll discover and some of that you'll have to, you'll have to help it with. And, yes? Most of us, or a lot of us, have already done that. From my MCDI, we have to do it our grants now. We have that information uh, so that, that is, that's a good point, and my MCBI is not quite uh, as flexible as this system is, but there is work. This Vivo community is quite large in terms of the number of developers and institutions using it. So there is an opportunity to try to connect that so that 
these reports that we have to generate, uh, we will do it only doing it once. But it, it, we're not there quite there yet. So I, I, and I know that for some of you who also maintain your Dartmouth-Hitchcock profile and your TDI profile, which profile to use is going to be something you don't have to personally make. Uh, but there's a lot of value to the system, which I'll show you in terms of what it can do. So um, then the other thing that we did is we went to the NIH exporter. The NIH publishes all the data on a regular basis of all the people who've received federal funds through NIH. And so we have that data as well. So we've already imported all that information. But it's sitting behind, hidden from viewers until you go and verify it. Okay? So we're not going to release this information until you go through it and check to make sure that it's correct. So let me show you how you one can do that. Okay. So here's our instance that we created. Uh, we can, it's, there's a lot of things to show in here, but you, we have a very high prof, you know, place where we said edit your profile. So So I'm going to sign in here and not nope. Wrong password again. Sorry for this. Okay. I think I had this happen before. Let's see. I can't since I can't see the screen here. Mm -hmm. Oh, my cap lock is on, of course. There we go. Oh, I may not get through the system. Well, I, I will, uh, don't worry. We always have, in demos, we always have ways to back out of where we got ourselves into. Anyone on my team know why I can't log in? <laughs> Okay, so uh, I, we, we have a, um, let's see where we go, tutorials here. You can't hear the music, but this is what should happen. There I am. So by logging in, I get to go in. I can edit the fields that are uh, that are already that these fields are already taken over from the guys on med uh, uh, database. I can upload an image, a picture. It's always nice to have a picture of yourself on your profile. And then this is the part where uh, the part that I want to show you when you click on the button to add your publications. Some of the publications, again, were already imported from the guys in that database. I go through here and I basically click on the ones that are mine and the ones that are not mine. And the system that we've designed automatically gets uses that information to improve the match of the other articles. So if you start saying that you, this article that you wrote was at, at Harvard, for example, it will start now finding other, other, other um, papers you may have written at another institution. Or if you use a different... Uh, a maiden name. And you can also feed in other ones if the, if the ones that you, you know that exist are not coming up for that. Okay. So, uh, so there's a nice uh, page at, uh, of, to, of information about how to use the system, which is under uh, support over here.
Remember that? So on the support page, you'll see the tutorial videos. You'll also see some other videos to help you with using the system. There's also a step-by-step -step, uh, information here about how to use the system so that you can figure out how to add that. Now, by having all this information here, uh, you'll see that, again, we've already pulled in articles. We have 1,900 people from the Geisel Med faculty and scholar database. There's a huge number of people imported. The 55 organizations represent the different departments and different institutes. And uh, this is just some information about research that comes from this. So we've already pulled in. So if you're on your laptop, feel free in this, in this setting to go in. And hopefully you can log in if I didn't get to log in. Go to vivo.dartmouth.edu, look at your profile, and start working on that. And uh, um, you will automatically then be able to pull an article. So these are articles that were already pulled in from the previous uh, database that you can see just uh, by, I think, uh, just by recency here. Um, these are grants, again, that are uh, done, uh, that were recently, these are all the active grants at, that are funded through, that we know through, uh, uh, based at Dartmouth to Dartmouth-Hitchcock. Um, you can look through faculty by name, you can look through faculty by organizations, you can uh, look at the research in terms of these things, all the journals, so forth. You can go to the homepage and you can search for something, let's just see who's working on depression here, what's happening. Uh, so I can get articles that were published by our faculty on depression. I can get grants that were on grants that are on depression and, and so forth. So now uh, one of the... It's, it's, take, it's searching for the term depression in any field that it finds. Uh, Within vivo, that's correct. So once the data is in vivo, then it's this is where you can search for this, right? Who has access to the profiles and so forth? I mean, does this come up in a Google search? Yes. So if you, as as with the other systems, so this can be your personal uh, research, which is what we like to promote it to be, right? So why go in and create your own websites and? Other you know uh, sites now, now TDI has a purpose, specific purpose, and DH has a specific purpose. Things that are not on here, are, your clinical expertise are not going to be on here. These are things that are that are part of the research profile. But if you, as a researcher, if you want to promote yourself and your work, this is a way to go. With multiple Vivo instances at different institutions, you can network with other people who are using Vivo ins instances as well. Um, let's let's see. Um, and you're searching by keywords and abstracts that provide vast information. So I know who the authors are. Uh, does anyone on my team know if the abstract comes up? Is uh, right now, there's links to the PubMed articles on the central. So I can go. So the link is, is that on here somewhere? Up here, is this the link? That's a journal. Well, we could try to pull, I think we can pull the abstract over from PubMed. These are options that we have. So one of the things that if people want to add additional data points into the system, please send us feedback through the support page about what you would like to see on your profile or something's not working. Let us know. Hasn't gone on to 
It will not. Sh it will. It will be popularly on the back end, but it will not be available publicly until that person signs in and says, "This is my research. This is my publications." Yes. So, so one of the uh, we've already talked to some of the heads of the clinical departments, and uh, they're interested in using the system actually because we do a lot. Of, a lot of departments do tracking and reporting and so forth, and it's it's a pain to try to uh, get people to get to that. So. Uh, it is. It may be possible to create a uh, departmental access to that data, um, knowing that the faculty hasn't verified it, sitting there, and that they could we could report for that department all the you know uh, articles that have been verified and those that are waiting to be verified. So, I'm, I'm looking at my developers just to make sure I didn't say anything I couldn't could end up. Yes. I think uh, we were picking some articles that were not uh, that had some that were not in PubMed Central. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. So in your own article, sorry, the view is you can go to PubMed. You, if it's already been uploaded into the, uh, you can get the full article there. Okay. Some other nice features. Again, once we start people having people use the system widely, we can uh, we will get some. Um, this uh, there's you'll see all the articles over time that you have. You will see uh, your co-author co-author network. You can see all the people in the institution you've you, you've worked with. So you can see this uh, this network graph. Uh, and you can also look at map of science, all the topic areas you've been working on in terms of how PubMed uh, evaluates that. So that's there. Um, so this is, I, I think, it's a pretty slick looking uh, website for people who want to promote this. And this is what we're trying to get people to start using. Omar, I, thought, I think you told me that people were going to be able to choose keywords also. In, in, in terms of searching for their articles or in terms of? So um, if, if Rosemary gets a call from the Wall Street Journal and they want to know who's doing something with a certain mm -hmm. type of thing that we could go to the Yes, blog. yep. And, you can. And so it, even if Alan hasn't published on it, but he has an interest in it, uh, is there yes. some way for him to register his interest? Well, again, everything that's been in the, if you put something in the, in the uh, faculty database that's over on that, and uh, uh, that Geisel Med has supported for a number of years, that information has already been pulled over and is accessible. If you have a blank profile over there, you only have a blank, blank profile over here as well. If you put 10 articles in that and some information there, those 10 articles have been moved over to here. So we're starting with the baseline of what we have, so we're not losing that information. But we, we, we encourage everyone to, to uh, sort of beef up their profile so that, it, that it, this information can be made available to anyone who wants to access it. Did, any questions? Sorry. Okay. So, and, and the other nice part is the data is all downloadable, and not in a nice format. Unfortunately, we're still working on that, but we'd like to get it out in Excel spreadsheets for people who need to have access from a departmental or divisional or other reporting structure, cancer center, and so forth. Everyone knows that you get those regular emails from the cancer center asking for all the things you do. So this could be a way to mitigate searching for all your own articles. Um, ultimately, we'd like to create an automated CV out of this. This is almost a CV, if you look at this. 
It's got all my, my publications, my research, my background, uh, contact information, so, which is old here. We're in this new building. I have to go back and change that. Uh, affiliations, websites, and so forth. So a nice thing about this would be, you know, the, again, your Geisel CV is a very extensive thing to have to complete. If some of that can be generated from, from this information that you've already collected elsewhere, then we, we, know, we don't want to duplicate that as part of this process. The other nice thing about uh, uh, Viva, one of the reasons we chose it, it's also built around the same model as Eagle Eye is. Eagle Eye is a resource that we had that Jason Moore deployed about four or five years ago. And this is a list of all the uh, resources that we have available here uh, based on various types of um, things like core laboratories. Um, we have uh, resources related to animal models. Um, let me go over here and browse. So these are all the different types of resources we have. We have lots of organisms that, this is all within Dartmouth. So, uh, and Dartmouth-Hitchcock, all the organisms that we have, all the reagents, research opportunities, software, things like that. And so we continue to maintain this database so that people can find out various resources that we have here online. This is the same model, so we can connect your profile to your resources. And I'll show you some other things that we can do with this as well. But these, this is all working in the same sort of standardized data representation ecosystem. And with Eagle Eye, for example, there's a whole network of, for Eagle Eye that you can go and look at all the 20 plus institutions. And so if you can't find a resource within your own institution, you can go and see if some other institution has the, has the resource. And for each of these resources, there's a contact person. Oh, there it comes. So uh, there's a person who has, has who's provided the resource. You can contact them. and figure out how to get access to the resources, okay? So this is really a nice environment to work in in terms of, uh, again, promoting this as, as well. Okay. Let me go back to my slides here and talk about some of the interesting informatics research that comes out of this. Now that we have uh, this data that we're collecting, one of the things, one of the things that's re being increasingly required by NIH, as you know, for those of you doing your my NCBI, is really looking at your research activities and looking at the outcomes of those research activities. There's increasing effort uh, to figure out where funding should go in in terms of how productive individuals are with that, those funds, what research activities are occurring. So, uh, we are doing that internally by tracking these kinds of research requests. We want to make sure that the research requests are in the context of what people are trying to do, and we're trying to look at how the impact of that is. So we're, we're putting these two systems together. Here's information that can, is, can be or is being collected by Vivo, so in terms of your publications, your grant funding, collaborations to the networks, things that we don't have but we could incorporate into, uh, into Vivo or clinical practices, patents, uh, community projects, and so forth. So all that activity is being collected. And this investigator with that profile is able to then on the, on the right-hand side go to Inspire and make requests to a variety of, re, of services. And our goal is to figure out how to link those services that have been made back to uh, thing, new things that are happening on the researcher's profiles, right? To look at the return on investment 
of the efforts we're putting in on the, through Inspire, through Synergy, through the Cancer Center, and look at the impact of that. Now this is occurring in a lot of other programs as well. There's a number of tracking systems. Rockefeller uses one that is basically follows the graduate students to see how the graduate students, um, in terms of their productivity uh, from their program. Um, this is a manual survey, an online survey that the that the, the graduate students have to fill out every couple of years to show what they've done. It's a bit cumbersome, but a number of institutions are using that. Uh, Cornell uh, um, uh, Medical University of South Carolina, USC also have homegrown systems that they're developing. Ours is the only one that's sort of open source that other institutes can use, but this is an activity that's going on elsewhere. And it's part of it as this integration between Inspire and Vivo. We have a technical architecture that allows us to to work the, these two, these two uh, um, the piece of software together. And our goal, so here's some of the interesting research activities and we've had some students working on this. If you look at what the user's trying to do in terms of making these service requests, so they're making various service requests to different, uh, to different cores within Synergy or the Cancer Center with different goals in mind in terms of their projects and so forth, that's the top. And then on the bottom we see this coming from from Vivo, we see the publications that are being made, the grants that are being uh, submitted. Now, grants submitted also comes potentially from the rapport system, so we can actually look at this. And so our goal is to try to match the bottom stream of data to the top stream of data and figure out what, what's, how, how they're related. So there's a couple things we can do. We can look at the, the timing. Obviously, you won't have a paper written before you submitted a service request that won't be related to each other, so we just look at that. Uh, we then then do some interesting uh, text analytics to try to match the project title, the grant title, and the publication to see if there's some match between those in terms of concepts. Good question, Bob. Uh, Inspire have a unique identifier that people have to include in the Yes, we always encourage people to use the grant number in terms of that, but it's, that's part of the problem with, that people don't always cite the grants. For, for the, you know, and, and or the, when they put a grant and you don't know that's a Synergy or a Cancer Center supported grant, right? So if you want to know specifically whether, and in more detail, whether core biostats, for example, was helpful for, for getting a paper, uh, you know, in, then you can try to do some matching between a service request with the project title in, for biostats to a paper that seems to have a similar title. This is something where, this may, this may not have high fidelity, but we're trying to look at it uh, and see how well we can try to do the matching. Um, so we, we do the smashing. So then we can try to associate different uh, uh, activities to different uh, um, things that we're capturing in other data. Okay. So that's an inf interesting informatics issue there. Oops, there it is. So the other thing we're doing is we're building a recommender system within uh, Inspire with an app called Inspiration, which you don't see. It's hidden from, uh, from the application I was showing you. That's going to recommend uh, both resources and collaborators to you based on your projects. Okay. And so using the data from Vivo and Inspire and potentially other information such as the pathway of how you do your research, it'll try to find out resources within Eagle Eye or within Vivo that might be appropriate. So we did a little analysis and we presented this work uh, uh, last year at the Vivo conference. Um, there, there are multiple types of ways to build re recommender systems and many of you are probably familiar with that if you go onto Amazon or if you're using Netflix, those, those programs already automatically try to identify something that you might be interested in, right? So how does it do that? There are two different ways that you can do it. So collaborative filtering, where based on your user profile, you are matched to other users that are similar to you. So let's say that you like to watch in Netflix romantic movies and sci-fi movies, and it figures that out. And then it goes and tries to look for other users who like romantic movies and sci-fi movies and see what they watched. 
And so then it says recommends those, those movies to you. Or it can look at the content of what you're working on. So if you're, uh, and, and Amazon and Netflix kind of do that, but it can also look at what you're actually trying to work on and see how well that matches in terms of that content. So uh, we, have, uh, we have all this information we're gathering through Vivo, Eagle Eye, Inspire, and we're trying to create a standard way of bringing all that data together so we can make this recommendation. So uh, fortunately, as I said, this is one of the reasons why we use Vivo and have uh, used Eagle Eye, is there's a standard way that they represent data in, uh, what's, in, a, in terms of a web framework called the Resource Description Framework. And we can import that data directly into our uh, recommendation system. And we can also import data from your projects within, um, uh, within the Inspire and have a common dictionary where we are talking about the same set of things. Uh, we use a program uh, called GenSim, which is a package that is built around vector space models. Uh, for many of you uh, who aren't familiar how the web works, but if you, if you go into Google and you put in a few words, miraculously it comes up with a, that one, uh, you know, uh, or the top, in the top two, uh, your, the, the web page you're looking for. And the way it does that is uses this vector space model where all the content of the web is represented as vectors. Each document on the web is represented as a vector of words. And by matching these vectors of words together, you can find out documents are very similar to each other. So the same way we can take information that's in Vivo, Eagle Eye, and your projects and look at the, the, the content in terms of the bag of words that's there and try to match which bags of words are close to each other. And that's how we get the results. I'm going to show you uh, some preliminary results of this. So the, the dimension of this vector space, it's kind of mind-boggling, is the number of dictionary terms you have. So if you have 10,000 dictionary terms, you have 10,000 dimensions that you have to work with. So we, you know, beyond three dimensions, obviously, it's a, um, so we need a very fast machine to work on these things. Uh, each resource item, the eagle eye or your vivo item, is represented as a term vector. So everything that we know about you is a bag of words about the research you do that's taken from your publications, taken from your grants, and everything that's in, in the uh, Eagle Eye uh, web pages is, is also a bag of words. And so we then do some uh, weighting of these things, because if everyone uh, has the same things they like, say we're all working on cancer, it doesn't really distinguish us much. So something that's very common, like the word cancer, is actually downweighted. And something that you might be working on, like a particular mouse model, which not many people might be working on, is upweighted. So we use this kind of weighting scheme to help that. And we can simply look in this multidimensional vector space between the cosine and the angles of the vectors. Nice math. This is a beautiful, simple system. And this is how, believe it or not, the web works to some degree. It's, it's through this, this vector representation. So we're using that here. And so here's an example. I don't know. I can't remember whose, whose profile this is. But here's the term from the Vivo profile on top. All the terms associated with them, like active, adaptive, adenocarcinoma. Maybe this is someone in the room here. Um, these are the bag of words associated with you. Um, we also know that from their Inspire project title that there are two worms, words here. This is probably someone in this room now if they're here. Uh, and then here are, uh, other pro here are other terms coming from their project description. So now we have this set of words, both from uh, things that they published on and things that have gotten grants on the top, plus information about the kind of things that they've requested services about. Okay. So the goal is to try to match resources to this researcher based on, uh, based on this uh, vector space model. And so what we see is if we now look at Eagle Eye and say, what things in Eagle Eye, using Eagle Eye's bags of resources, match this person's interest, you'll see on the Vivo profile things like the Heart and Vascular Research Center uh, is a top match 
Uh, so is Dartmouth-Hitchcock Heart and Vascular Research Center. That might be the same, same thing. Uh, then there's microbiology and so forth. And that's just using your VUO profile. If we add, add in the information from Inspire, then we get a slightly different ranking. And the, the reason that we want to look at the Inspire data is that's the stuff that you're doing now. That's the stuff that you're asking for requests and support for, for projects now. The stuff that's in vivo is stuff you've already done in the past. It might be something you did five years ago, 10 years ago. It might be relevant. So we're trying to figure out how to make this information, these matches, the most relevant. And we think that by adding in the data that you're putting into Inspire, you'll get a better match. So we looked at this. We had this only a small sample. Uh, we had 24 faculty profiles we mapped into the vector space. And we were, um, uh, so we had made some recommendations. Plus, um, the same, only eight for eight. So, so there were, there's a, quite a bit of overlap between these two is what, it's, what this says. And so it's not distinguishing. So this is just testing and validating that. Um, but our, our future goal is to, um, is to have a little uh, feedback system so that you can, just like when you go to Amazon or to, to uh, Netflix, you can give us feedback about which, which ranking was the best. Uh, we want to look at different ways to, to improve the relevance and then uh, store this in a standard way and, and uh, create this tool that other institutions can use as well. So uh, finally, I'm just going to end on, in the last few minutes, talking about what I think is um, probably the biggest concern that I have that keeps me up when those, I don't know who said I sleep three nights, three hours a night, I think it was you, Chris, but two of those nights are worrying about this, which is data security. So we have a, a major challenge, and we're all part of this uh, environment here, uh, that one of the challenges we have in getting access to patient data in our electronic health record system for the purposes of research is ensuring that that information stays secure and private as well. So uh, this is a big concern, um, and I, we uh, sit on the Data Governance Committee and think about all the activities that we need to do to ensure that the data stays secure. So we've uh, developed a tool, which I'll talk about, that will help support this. One of the things is that as part of Synergy and part of uh, the Cancer Center, we have a uh, institutional data broker, who is John Higgins. He was over here somewhere. John, raise your hand there. So talk. If you need data from uh, EDH for the purpose of research, go please talk to John. He's already helped a number of people in this room already, as some of you know. So um, the things that that person has to do ensuring the policies are in place is to look at what data is being requested, making sure that there's a CPHS protocol and IRB on hand, to ensuring that there's a match between those two, and then uh, signing off on all the institutional policies. And every time data is released from, uh, from DH into the hands of researchers, whether the data sits behind the DH firewall or goes to a, a uh, secure system that the college owns, we have to keep track of all those data elements for that purpose, okay? So that this is not considered uh, a data breach or anything else that violates uh, HIPAA. So um, what we're trying to do is create a system that would help secure all this and so we, again, have a wonderful backronym called the CEDRO, uh, which stands for Interactive Secure Institutional Data Release Overseer. Don't worry about the workflows. Uh, a CEDRO, by the way, for some of for those who know, there is the Santa CEDRO is the patron saint of the Internet. It's quite impressive that in the 6th century, Monk was able to foresee the Internet being developed. But <laughs> within, apparently, if you go and look for Santa CEDRO, this is one of the things he will bless. So, so your, your computer and so forth can be blessed by Santa CEDRO. Uh, so we're, we're, we got a CEDRO from it for this name here. Um, but the process of trying to make a request now going forward with uh, using a data broker will require filling out some forms, which will allow us to encrypt, create a watermark in the data, and um, uh, uh, provide the data to you in a secure fashion that you can have access to, so that you will basically put all the requests in the system, 
and out will come out the, the data file that you need that will be downloaded to you in an encrypted format. Now, it turns out by doing this, we, did, we, we discovered some other interesting things that we can do. So let's say that Alan and I are working on a project, and we just happen to share our data on Excel spreadsheets, which I discourage for you to do, to do but say that we, send, uh, we have data that we've uh, securely sent it. And I've accidentally, because it's Excel, I've deleted some you know, fields. You know, and then he, he does his analysis, and I do my analysis, and we don't get the same results. Right? So what this, the set of, this tool actually do, because it creates a digital fingerprint, is it will see that these two files are not the same. It won't know where exactly, but the fingerprint will not come out the same. So this is actually a way to ensure that when we share data, even among each other, not even through the honest broker, we can ensure that it's the same data set. There's also a watermark in there, so if you say, give, I give the data to Alan, and Alan gives it to somebody else, um, and then, it, you know, three weeks later, we find it sitting in somewhere. There's a way to trace how the data got from me to that person there because of the, the watermark that's in the data. So there's some interesting things that we, we can do now from an informatics perspective, from a, from a data security perspective, that will help us feel more comfortable in with the kind of realm we're working in in terms of data security and privacy. So let me return back to the objectives here. I hope that I covered some of these for you. I hope I was able to uh, encourage you to use Vivo and to think about how to make, uh, use Vivo to help you with scientific collaborations. Um, I didn't talk about RedCap, which we have, but we have this uh, tool at redcap.dartmouth.edu for a place to store your data once you gather your data. Um, and uh, that will also, we're also deploying I2B2, as I mentioned, that will allow you to be able to go and select uh, patients for your studies. This is something that's a whole nother talk, but uh, if you have any questions, please talk to John Higgins, who is the contact person for the Registry Shared Resource. We encourage this. We've spent a lot of time getting the data out of the tumor registry and EDH for the purposes of sharing data with the cancer center researchers. Uh, so if you're looking for counts on how many patients uh, have you need for a clinical trial or you're looking for uh, um, other patients to do research on for secondary data use, you can certainly uh, approach us for that support. And these are activity codes for those who need them for CME purposes. Uh, so uh, if there, I have a few minutes, I think, perhaps. But otherwise, I will end now. Thank you very much. Like the PI, the role that goes into the uh, biosketch, that part of that. I will have to look into that. I mean, I think that's. It depends if it's on the NIH reporter. If the information's there, we can extract that. So, um, it, if when you submit your grant and that information goes into the NIH, if it's there, we can pull it out. Okay. Oh, that's. Okay. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you.